Thanks for tuning in to the Door Church's Resources Podcast. These classes and trainings are designed to equip you to live a life shaped by Christ and centered around the gospel. To learn more about TDC, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Let's dive in. Why can't we believe it today? Not believing superstitiously in the magic of words, not believing ignorantly in some easy, ghostly ideas, but believing with clean, sharp belief. The eternal God is not hidden in clouds, but is accessible to the human heart wherever faith that ought to transform. Good evening. Glad that you're here. Um, if, you're, if you're new or don't know who I am, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the teaching team. Super grateful that you made a priority to be here uh, this evening. So this is Theology on Fire, and the hope is that we would come together and look at God's Word. Uh, and as we look at God's Word, it inform our view of God. So um, <clears throat> theology, a lot of people say, well, I'm not a theologian. Well, everyone is actually a theologian. You have a belief about God. Uh, the question is, is it biblically informed? And so what we want to do is look at the scriptures, the word of God, uh, to inform our faith. And as we look at the word of God, that in, really informs our view of God, that we live in light of who God is and how he's revealed himself to us. And so um, this is going to be an exciting topic this evening. We're looking at the doctrine of humanity. So doctrine of humanity. Have you ever thought, why are they the way they are? This is a good good reason to be here uh, this evening. You can actually answer that question. Why are they they that way? Um, Also, it's a big part of your worldview. Whether you know it or not, you have a worldview. And what that means is that that you've answered some big questions uh, in the world. It's where did you come from? Everyone answers that question. Where did I come from? Why am I here? So you're doing something uh, with your life, and then where am I going? So everyone answers these questions, and so this is a good, uh, good one to look at is, um, why are you here? And so the way that we're going to answer that question is, who are you? It's a big question that you have to come to terms with is, who are, who are you? Um, and you, you have a view of self. The question is, is it biblically informed? So the world gives us uh, a, really two major different views of humanity that, that's really uh, not biblical, that I just want to address briefly. And this is one of the primary reasons we're doing that a theology summer training is this, is uh, we don't want to be conformed to the world. We want to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So the world tells us things. Like you're being told, I'm being told all the time, different things about everything. Uh, and their hope is to influence you into their worldview of what they're speaking. Uh, one really false view of humanity is an overemphasis of humanity. And what that means is, is that, that you are almost equal to God, that you are a little sovereign that you can control, that, that everything should bow into to your will. And so there's a way that we live our, our lives that we have a, a too high view of self. The world wants you to buy into that lie, uh, that, that you yourself can be almost as, as God. The other one is the equal opposite error, is they underemphasize humanity. They say, well, you're not God. What you are is you're basically an animal. They, de- they dehumanize 
uh, humans. Um, and what they'd say is the reason why you act on your impulses and desires and, and the things, you're, just have, you, you're basically an animal. Uh, and this is an improper view of humanity as well. So what we want to look at this evening is what does the, the Bible tell us about being human? That, that you and I are not God. The scripture is going to tell us that. And and that we are not animals, but we are under God and above creation. So we are under God and above creation is what scripture teaches us. What does it mean to be human? So Genesis 1 verses 26 and 27, it says this, then God said, so this is God speaking, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So to be human is to be made in the image and likeness of God. So when you hear image and likeness, uh, really that's the same word. There's not two different meanings that were made in the image of likeness of God. And if you're listening uh, to the verses, this says. Let us make man in our own image. If you're here last week, we looked at who God is, which is Trinitarian in nature, that he, God made us in his image uh, to, to, to really display who he is to the world. So every single person in this room that you'll ever meet that has breath in their lungs uh, or in the womb is made in the image, likeness of God, image and likeness of God, and they have value they have dignity, and we should have respect for all humanity. Not why, because what they've done or, or, or haven't done. We have, we have respect for humanity based on that we are all made in his image and likeness. That is, that is an unearned value that God has bestowed on us. That's every human, uh, human being that's ever walked the face of the earth. God created them, and we have Dignity and respect because of the Imago Dei, that he made us in his image and likeness. Furthermore, he made us male and female. Genesis 2, 7, it talks about the personal nature that God made us. So if you know your scriptures, it says, in the beginning, God, and he started to speak. Let there be light. Let there be waters. And God spoke, in it, and, it, and it is. But when he made humanity, as we zoom into Genesis 2 to get a closer look at how he made humanity, it tells us this, then the Lord God formed the man uh, of dust from the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. That's, that's your soul, that's your spirit. And the, and the man uh, became a living creature. What's so interesting here, God gets personal and he gets intimate. When he makes man, he gets in the dust and he breathes his breath. Everything else he speaks, but he actually forms humanity in a very different and purposeful way uh, with his own hands. Now, so this is how he created man in Genesis 2, 20, verses 24. It tells us how he made woman. It says the man gave names to all the livestock, so God created all things. He created, and so the Adam was giving all the names to the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a, a helper fit for him. Uh, in other places, it says that good, it wasn't good that man should be alone. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, uh, he took one of the, his ribs and closed up uh, its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
And then he, this is a poetic song that he, he sings to, to the woman as he sees this great gift. He says, this man, then, then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken uh, out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's a few things I want to just mention here. One, he, in Genesis uh, 1, 26 to 27, it says that God made both man and woman. So there is a distinction. I know that's a big cultural debate today, but God actually makes man and woman. He determines uh, gender. Number two, it tells us how he creates man and then woman. And it says it wasn't good for man to be alone. The reason why that is, is that we are made in a triune God, a God in, in community, and man could not reflect a triune God just being in himself. So he made a helper fit for, for him. So why? He could actually reflect a God in community that we ourselves would be in community. Namely, he then created marriage. And that's one way that we can actually show uh, the Trinity. That's, that's when it says that they become one flesh. That's one way you can actually see a little bit of the Trinity is when you look at marriage, my wife, Marcy, and I are one. You know, we have one bank account. We have one bedroom. We have one last name. We are one. Uh, and, and the idea behind that is we get to reflect a little bit of who God is and how we bear image uh, namely in marriage, but also in other places, which I'll name in a second. It says that woman uh, was, was taken out of the side of, of Adam. What's interesting, there's a big cultural debate around male and female, but part of that is because of sin, which we'll talk a little bit about in Genesis 3, is because the, the, I'd say the, the hope of women to be overvalued or undervalued. For a long time, women has maybe been under, undervalued and almost chauvinism. And then there's also, there's a, there's a feminism movement that they, this is idea that we're almost, women can be better than men. Actually, it says in scripture that we're both made in the image and likeness of God, that we have the same dignity, value, respect. Uh, one's not better than the other. We're both made in God's image. Uh, secondly, it says it wasn't good for man to be alone. Uh, the man needed a helper fit for him. Elsewhere in scripture, God actually refers to himself as a helper. Uh, also, the Holy Spirit is named the helper. Is that actually is a, a, is a symbol of, of strength. Um, even the idea of woman being made from the, the rib of a man is this idea that, that women is not to walk out in front of man, nor uh, really follow behind man, but be right, right beside man, that we are made to do life right, right side by side together. Because why? We're both made in the image and likeness with the same dignity, same dignity value, respect. Uh, but God made both man and woman why to reflect who God is. We're made in his image and likeness. Uh, one of the first things that you'll see um, in a little bit is when God made us, he made us upright uh, and good. In Genesis 131, as he created humanity and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So God created uh, the man and the woman, and what did he say? It was very good. We are made upright. So what does that mean? Is when we sin, it's not God's fault. God made us moral creatures and upright creatures to reflect him, his holiness, his goodness. Um, he made us completely upright. He said it was indeed very good. It also is interesting. It tells us a little about God's character and nature and how he views us. One, he says it, we're, we're very good, which is a statement of his creation. Uh, number two, 
is in Genesis 1.28. It says this, and God blessed them. So God created Genesis, you know, 26, 27. And then what is the first thing he do? He blesses them. Before Adam, he did, did anything to earn a blessing. What is it? He, he speaks favor over them. Um, God, God made you in his image and likeness, and he loves you, and he blesses you. He, he speaks favor over you. God's natural disposition to humanity is favor and blessing. Uh, God speaks to them. We have a speaking God who speaks life over us. This is who God is in his character and nature towards humanity. So if you've ever thought, how does God view you? He loves you and he speaks grace and he speaks favor over you. This is his heart for who? Humanity, which he says is very good. Um, it, it, it also tells us that we are, we're made in a, a moral way. We're in a, in a bit of moral decay, but that's not new. Uh, a lot of people think it's new. We've always been a moral decay since Genesis 3. But in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says this, Genesis uh, 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. So he makes... Uh, man in his own image, and then he, he, he speaks a, a, a command, a moral truth. He says, you can eat of anything. I've, I've made this for you, but you can't eat of this tree. Um, and he, he calls us to obey his commands. We have the ability to choose right and wrong. Every, every person's made that way. To, the ability to listen to God and obey him or not. Um, and that is a, a moral ability to listen to uh, his his commands. Furthermore, God made his, his image and likeness, man and woman. He blesses us. He makes us upright. Uh, he gives us the ability to obey or not. A lot of people think think work is uh, is is a bad thing. God made work as a gift. Actually, God made us in His image and tells us to cultivate. In Genesis one twenty eight, this is the cultural mandate. So this is. One of the reasons he, he created us and God blessed them. And listen, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and listen and to subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we're made, we're made in the image and likeness of God under God. Then he tells us, but I made you to have dominion over my creations. So he made creation as a gift for humanity. Why? To cultivate to take what he has made and to bring order and beauty uh, into, into the world by, by working. Uh, it also tells us to be fruitful and multiply. It is a good thing to have kids. Um, that's another thing that culture, depending on what you're, what you're listening to, uh, children are a gift from God. And we're, we're commanded to work, to subdue the earth, and to, uh, to multiply. So that is, that's humanity in Genesis 1 and 2. Now, again, I think you got to ask yourself, you know, why, why am I here? Why, why are you here this evening? Why are you doing what you're doing? I love that question. I hope that you love that question because I think it keeps you on point because it's so easy to get sidetracked of what you're actually supposed to be doing here in this world. It says very clearly in Isaiah 43, verse 7, uh, this, everyone who is called by my name, who I created what for my glory. So why did God create for my glory, whom I formed and made? Why did he, why did he form you? 
It's such an interesting thing. Why did he form you the way you are? Why did he give you the gifts that he's given you? Why, did you, why are you placed in the time that he's given you, in the, the time that you live? He made you to bring him glory. That's what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, that he wants you to, to image him, to, to show his beauty to the world. Um, now, there's three ways I wrote down that, that you can glorify God. Because, you know, that, that's a fun, I think, biblical word, maybe spiritual word. Oh, yeah, I did it for God's glory. What, what does that mean? Uh, we can glorify God when we, when we enjoy him, when we enjoy him. Uh, really, Christian hedonism is this. It's the chief end of man, why you're made, is to, to glorify God. How? By enjoying him forever. The way that you glorify God is actually by enjoying who he is. Uh, and, and what he's done for you. I'll give you one in Psalm 150, verses one and six. It says this, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him. Uh, well, you went too fast. I can't read that fast. There you go. In his mighty heavens. Thank you. Go ahead. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Um, let everything, listen, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, you have breath. God gave you that breath. If you weren't listening, God gave you breath. The heartbeat is his. Everything that you have in life is his. Everything in your bank account is his. If you have a family, that's a gift from God. Every gifting opportunity, that's, that he's, he's blessed you in so many ways. And the one way that you can glorify him is just to praise his name, to recognize the giver of these gifts. Um, you know, in James, it talks about God, God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Um, what's that mean? He's always, he's always giving to you. The question is, are you seeing it? Are you praising his name for it? And honestly, I, I just got back from the lake with my family on vacation. And there's, we did a lot of fun things. We, we boated, we swam, we skied, we jet skied. The, the most joy that I had the entire time was actually praising God with my family and thanking him for this time. Why? Because it completed my joy. All those things were fun. What gave me deep joy is actually saying, God, you're the one who's given me all this. And I see that and I thank you. And it actually completed my joy as I was able to praise him, to see the giver of all these good gifts. When we praise his name, we glorify him and demonstrate his goodness by just saying thank you. If you have time, go read the second part of Romans 1. The reason why the root, the root of sin is that we, we, we traded the worship of God for created things. It's called the worship wars is the theology behind it. The, uh, the idea is that we worship everything but except God. That's the primary sin. So the way that you glorify uh, someone is actually by, by thanking them and praising them and worshiping them. That's one way we give God glory. We give him by enjoying him and his goodness towards us. Number two, we can glorify God by our relationship with others. Like I said, briefly, uh, we're made in a triune God's image. Uh, one God, three persons. We, we covered that last week. But we have a God who is in community. From eternity past, 
He created because of joy. He, he, he created not to get, but to give. That's why God created. He didn't need anything from us, but he wanted to give. He wanted to, to demonstrate his, his, his glory by creating uh, humanity and creation. And we need a counterpart, another person to glorify him in community. You can't really glorify him by yourself. So as we mentioned, Adam was made in the image of life as God. Woman was not made, and he made a helper fit for him. Why? So he could glorify God. They could glorify a triune God and community together. Uh, we, need to, we, are, we are made outpouring. As we enjoy who God is, we are made to, to bless other people. That's why in Genesis, after God created Eve, what happened? Well, the first marriage, when you hear, you know, the, the government made marriage or where did marriage come from, from? God created marriage. As soon as he created humanity, he created marriage. He defines marriage. Actually, in Genesis 2, 18 and 24, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. And now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to the livestock and the birds and the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not uh, found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on, uh, upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of the ribs and closed it up in his place in the flesh. And listen, and in the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Here's the marriage. And the man said, this is the last bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and thou shall become one flesh. One of the primary ways that we can reflect who God is, is enjoying God in community, namely marriage. But also, if you're not married, you can glorify God in extended family, uh, in other relationships, in your community, and in the church. We were made to be in relationship with one another, to actually, to to pour out our lives to other people because this is who God is. So I wrote down some things because this may be a little bit confusing. We're made in the image of likeness of God. There's things that are called the incommunicable attributes of God. He didn't share these with us. Like we're not omniscient. We're, we're not all knowing. We're not omnipresent. You're not everywhere. Neither am I. So when, he, when I say that, he didn't share those abilities with humanity. We're not sovereign. We don't rule everything. We're not all powerful. That, that's God. That's who God is. But when he made, made us in his image and likeness, he made us uh, with shared attributes that we should be holy as he is holy. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, as we obey him, we can image his holiness, his moral character. We can be just people. God is a, a just God and always does what is right and is good. That we are supposed to be loving. Why? Because God is a God of love and he shares that love with us. That we should be merciful that we should bless as God has blessed us, that we should be givers as God has given to us. We should represent his goodness. And the way that we do that is one, in relationships with one another, that we should be marked in how we relate to our communities by bringing justice, love, mercy, his holiness and goodness to all our relationships. This is how we glorify God. We actually bring his character to bear on the relationship that God's put in our life. Philippians 2, verses 3 and 5 actually says this, do, not, do nothing from selfish ambitions. One of my favorite verses in the entire scriptures. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Humility is actually, the root word is what? Human. To human is to know your place. You're not God, you're under God, right? So to be human is to be humble, to understand your place. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you 
look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We'll talk about that here in a second, how Jesus is our normative. What it says is that you should count other people more significant than yourselves. That's being human and how we glorify God in relationships. Um, what we do because of sin is we always think about ourselves and not anyone else. We don't, we're not known for being just, loving, and merciful people, holy people. But when we image God to others, we actually represent who God is to himself and to us. That's how we bring God glory, uh, relationship with others. And the last one, which people don't always think about, is relationship with creation. That we have a relationship with God as we enjoy him, we bring him glory. As we relate to one another, we glorify him as we relate to the creation that he's given to us as a gift and we subdue it. We glorify him. Some other things that he shared with us that we can glorify him to the world is that we are made, as God is a creator, we are supposed to be uh, innovators and, 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 um, and creators. That we image God when we create things. Business, when you create business or music or anything. When you create anything with the abilities and talents that he's given, you know, you're reflecting God. God loves... Um, God's like the ultimate entrepreneur, if you will. He created something out of nothing. And when we do that, we glorify him. Not only do we glorify him, but we bless humanity. You know who benefits from, from when you create business? Other people. As you bring man, more jobs and opportunities, as, as you know, everything works together. We're giving that to the Lord's prayer to a certain extent. When everyone plays their part well, it glorifies God and it blesses other. We have the ability to, to create. Why? And we glorify God. We do that. God is beautiful. One thing that we don't always think about God is God is beautiful. It says in Isaiah 6, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We love to see beautiful things. We love it. Why? Because God is beautiful. His whole creation is beautiful. So when we create and we make beautiful things, we actually, we model who he is by creating beautiful things. That's why you'll tear up in a good movie and that's why you rejoice in hearing good music. Why? Because God is beautiful. That's the reason why we love it, and it glorifies him when we see it. Uh, when we bring order into chaos, we, we bring God glory. There was the, the, the earth was out form and void. That's what it says. Without form and void, there was nothing. But then God created, and it brings order, and it glorifies him. When we create order in our lives, um, in, I'd say, again, businesses or in the home, moms and dads, we create order in home. It glorifies God. It's a beautiful thing. Um, when we relate to creation as we subdue it and live out the, the cultural mandate, it glorifies God. Um, I wrote down some application. We'll talk about that here more in a little bit. But one thing, uh, first things first, is this should end sexism, racism, any type of superiority. Why? Because everyone's made in the image and life of God. You know, I actually talked to someone this weekend. He's like, well, I'm not a racist. Well, tell me, why are you not? And they're like, well, are you? I'm like, well, no, that's not my point. My point is, do you know why you shouldn't be? Why? Because we serve a God who made us in his image and likeness. It's not because they're doing anything that creates that value. It's because they're made by God. That's why we value the unborn. Why? <laughs> why? Because God made them. That's why. You should know that. It changes the way you view people. Even the people you don't like, you should love and be kind to. Why? Why? Because they don't earn your respect. That's God-given. Um, number two, God has given us the ability to have purpose no matter what we're doing. You can glorify God in anything you're doing. Why? Because you can, you can praise his name. 
You can look at that your wife and the family and community have. Like, I'm supposed to show God's character here. I'm supposed to bring his glory here. It doesn't matter what kind of marriage you're in. You're supposed to glorify God there. And furthermore, in your work and in, in your giftings, you can glorify God in everything you're doing. Because I talk to so many people that hate work. And, I'm, and, and I know sin. It says that, you know, by the, by, by the sweat of your brow. It's not easy. But it's a, it's a God-given gift to glorify him when you create. And there's a lot, there should be a lot of joy there. But we've got to connect it to the why that we're made to give him glory. If you don't do that, it'll be a very, uh, very hard life because you're not living with purpose. So humanity after the fall, so it, this is, you know, how God, God made us. The problem is um, Genesis 3. Uh, there, there, was, there was sin um, and everything's fractured. And we're going to talk about how it's fractured us in every way, in every way. Uh, but the first thing I want to just mention is after the fall, when sin entered the world and we, we have a severed relationship with God, there's a, there's a barrier between us and God now. Why? Because we rebelled against him. There's a barrier between us and our wives and community. Why? Because we're sinners. We don't, we don't love, we're not, we don't, we don't honor them. We actually do a, a lot of the different, different things. So there's a barrier between us and God. There's a barrier between us, us and humanity and man creation doesn't, you know, doesn't uh, subdue very well under, under our hands. Why? Because of, because of sin. We're still, we're still made in the image of life of God, although it's broken. Um, in Genesis 6, 5 and 6, it says this, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So not going for, well for humanity right there. And the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth and he grieved him to his heart. Um, it still says that he made man and, it, and that we we're made in his image and likeness. Some other ones, if you want to go look at, we're still made in the image of God is Genesis 11, 4 through 8, Genesis uh, or Psalms 14, 3, and James 3, 9 all talk about. We're still made in the image and likeness of God, although it's now broken uh, and marred. Now, the idea is this. When we're made in the image and likeness of God. We're made to be mirrors. So when you, when you mirror something, you're showing the, you know, who God is. We're imaging him, the reflection of God through how we live. Now, because of sin, we, we have a broken mirror. So everything's broken. It, it distorts who God is. So when, God, when people look at us, they're like, man, it, it's confusing. Why? Because we don't, we don't image God's, God well uh, any, anymore. Why? Because um, our, our image has been uh, broken. I have, I have in my mind these fun house mirrors. Like it's, you kind of see it, but it's very distorted. Why? Because uh, of sin. Now, sin has totally marred every facet and faculty of being a human now. Um, one, I'll just read. So mind, will, emotions, heart, conscience, physical body is all affected by sin. So it's marred. So we, what that means is, is that um, <laughs> we don't image God in our minds, our will, our emotions, our heart, our conscience, uh, and physical body. Some people say this is totally depraved. What this doesn't mean is that you're as bad as you could be all the time. What this means is every facet of you has been broken by sin. So uh, your mind, Ephesians 4.18 says this, they're darkened what in their understanding. So that's, that's, that's your mind. We don't think right anymore. Why? Because of sin. We're alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that, that is in them due to their hardness of heart. That's why you get a lot of people saying, man, this is what I think is right. This is my truth. We have no understanding. Everyone thinks they're right. Only, only God is right. Only he is true. Um, our minds are, are, are totally marred. We're without understanding. 
It's, if you go read the book of Judges, everyone does what was right in their own eyes. When people say, hey, I'm just doing my best, I, I, I believe you. I believe you, you are. You're just wrong, and I am wrong. Why? Because our minds are broken. They're sinful. Number two, our will has been affected. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, if you want to talk about the depravity of man, just go read, read the first five verses of Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So there's a trajectory of what we're walking. This is the trajectory of our life following the course of the world. Listen, we follow apart from the spirit, spirit of God in us, if, if you're a Christ follower, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work of the sons of disobedience before Christ. If you're not in Christ, you know you're following Satan. That's, that's what our wills do. We are, we're not a part of God's kingdom. We're a part of Satan's kingdom. We actually uh, follow the prince of the, the air of this world, which is Satan. It's affected um, what we do and why we do it. And folks, uh, it affects our emotions. Titus 3.3, 3, it says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various listen, passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is our emotions and our passions. Uh, you know, some people say, I'm a very passionate person. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, why? Because our passions and our emotions will betray us. Uh, why? Because of sin. Uh, our heart, one of, my, one of my favorite verses in scripture is Jeremiah seventeen nine. The heart is what? Deceitful above all things and de- desperately sick. Who can understand it? Um, that, that, you're at, that's your control center of your life. Not actually your physical heart, although our hearts, because, you know, physical body is also decaying. It's talking about your operating center is... Uh, is desperately sick and deceitful above all things. So when people even are trying to do the right things apart from the Spirit of God, they don't even know when they're, they're doing right and not. Why? Because their heart is deceiving them. That, that's what, that, that's what uh, sin does. It affects, even every, it affects everything you do. Uh, your conscience is seared. Titus 1.15 says this, To the pure all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, both their minds and what their consciences are defiled. That's why we can sin and not feel guilt and shame about it. That's why, you know, even in Romans, referencing that again, it says a lot of people glory in their shame. They're very proud of the things that they should be ashamed of. Why? Because their conscience uh, is, is, is marred. Your physical body is wasting away. There's many references to that, but Romans 6.23, it also gets to the hope of it. But for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you've grown a little bit over 20, you feel this very much. You are aging. Why? Because of sin. Uh, we are decaying. And the hope is only uh, the eternal life we have in, in Jesus Christ. So what does sin affect? Everything. It affects you entirely. Now, what is the hope? Well, it's always Jesus. If you ever come to the door church, you know, we're going to talk about a lot about Jesus. Why? Because he's, he's the only hope that you, you and I have. Uh, it's the only hope that we have to live how God's created us to be. So I want to look at God became man and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. Jesus is the perfect human. He's, he's God become man. So when we want to understand who we should be, you know, we should look at Jesus. He was the perfect human. He's the normative human. Adam, Adam was the sin. That's the sin standard. If we want to look at the standard of who all humanity should be and, and how God created us to be, it's Jesus. Galatians 1.15 says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God's like? You look at Jesus. You want to look at what humanity should be like? We look at Jesus. 
You want to know who you should be like? You measure up to Jesus. That's how, that's how we measure. It's not your political views. It's not what everyone else is doing. It's not the influences that you're listening to. Our standard is Jesus. And whenever we're falling short of that, we, we, we repent, we trust Jesus. Why? Because that's, that's what we're aiming for. That, that, that's the true human that God desires us to be. Colossians 1, 19 through 23 tells us about how he redeems sinful humanity to a relationship with God, uh, to really, to community and, and one another. But Colossians 1, 19 through, 20, uh, 19 through 23, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, that's Jesus, and though and through him to why reconcile himself all things, whether on, uh, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once, who uh, who were once, or who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death, in order what to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach uh, before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation and under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Basically, it says, because of Jesus, you can have a restored relationship with God. And we have a restored relationship with God through Jesus. It restores your relationships with other people. And by God's grace, you can actually now live uh, as a cultivator of creation. So in another way you can look at it, sin breaks the, the, the mirror. Jesus is putting back the mirror by the power of the Holy Spirit, so you can image him now. You can image, you start to image who God is through, through Jesus. God is, is in the business of right now of restoring our lives. That's our mission, to see lives restored with the gospel of God's glory, that we can actually have our mirrors continually put back together by the Spirit of God and the Word of God to reflect who God is. Uh, that, that's, that's why we look at Jesus. Um, now, this is a... This is a process. It's not like you come to Jesus and you're going to, you know, immediately reflect him, but the trajectory is towards him. The trajectory is towards him. And I want to read you Romans 8, 26, and 30, because this is, talks about the power, listen, the power to become more like Jesus and the trajectory of your life if you're a Christ follower. There's a new power that God gives us, and you know how your life's going to end. Although it's a rocky road, you are being put back together to image Christ. Let's listen to it. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Who helps us? The Spirit of God. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we're empowered by the Spirit. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, listen, for those who love God, all things work together for good. So if you're wondering how your life's going, God has a plan. He's working all things together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. Listen to the trajectory. For those whom he foreknew, those, that's who God's foreloved, he also predestined to be, listen, conformed to the image of your son. So what's your destiny? You're going to image Christ. He's putting you back together. It's not if, but he will. He's predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son in order that by the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined, he also called and those whom he called, he also justified and those whom he justified, he also glorified. That is our future state. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is putting you back together to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is how it ends. And right now we can live by the spirit of God and he is our standard to continually repent. Repent is not a bad word, just so you know. Repent is turning from self and trusting Christ. We want to continue to trust Christ and be put back together by the power of the Holy Spirit to image him. 
Um, another way you can say it is we don't fall out of love with God, we fall out of repentance. Something else takes the place of God in our hearts. So what should we continually do? Repent and trust Jesus. Let's pray, and we'll have a few questions uh, that we can discuss. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you speak to us through your word. I pray, God, as we look as your word, that it would speak truth to us, that we'd not just hear words, but we'd say, God, you created, that you speak blessing, that we have value, that you created us with purpose to glorify you. I pray that we consider by your spirit in what ways that we are maybe not glorifying you, that we would repent and trust Jesus, that he would continually put us back together so we can image you well. God, you are loving, you're just, you're good, you're merciful. God, I pray that we would receive receive those things in Christ, God, so we can image those things to others. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.